everyone. Welcome to the 10th episode of Three Right Turns, the podcast that moderates conservatives and radicalizes moderates. I'm not going to be talking about the coronavirus because honestly, uh, I'm not an expert. We did over on the bald move side of things record a uh, review of the movie Contagion. If you want to check it out, as Jim and I talked at a lot comparing the fictional virus in that movie to uh, what we're experiencing with the coronavirus. But, uh, you know, we're not experts. I think everyone, uh, if you're curious about what you should do and how you should feel about it, you should find an expert or better yet, get a three or four kind of expert opinion or a a well-regarded peer-reviewed research paper uh, finding and listen to them about what you should do during this crisis because we're all about listening to experts and scientific consensus here at SwizzBold. And uh, for our part, we've shut down our studio and we're recording things from our homes and collaborating remotely. Uh, on Swizzbold and Bald Move for the foreseeable future. So we're taking it serious. A lot of people are talking about the coronavirus, uh, and there's tons of places to go for that kind of conversation. So I actually think now's a good time to take a step back from the day-to-day kind of campaign stuff I've talked about lately and get back to some core issues that are facing our nation today. We're going to be talking about race in America. And furthermore, I have a challenge for my audience. When I first talked about race in America... Back in Three Right Turn Six, uh, the unbearable whiteness of being episode, I noticed something interesting. My audience on that podcast dropped about 20% from the week before, I guess the two weeks before. And I was kind of alarmed because up to that point, Three Right Turns had been growing a nice 10, 15, 20% week over week between each show. And I thought, damn, I might have hit a ceiling on this thing. Which was always a possibility in my mind, probably the biggest one looming, because when it comes to personal matters, I tend to be pretty conservative and and pessimistic. So I was only too ready to consider the fact that I try this political podcast thing and people would listen and be like, eh, don't quit your day job. But then I dropped the Iowa, oh my God, episode and and traffic bounced back like like it had never dipped. And then on the next episode and so on, and uh, I still kept on growing. The trend of growth has continued ever since. Now... There's various explanations for this. Maybe all the people of color that listen to the show, which turns out is a lot, uh, heeded my advice to nope out of this conversation about race that was from a white guy aimed squarely at appealing to other white folks. Because uh, I did say, like, you know, you probably don't have to stay around for this. This is this is review. Um, maybe racial trends in America just isn't as inherently interesting as Iowa politics or an in-depth look at healthcare policy. I don't know. Maybe that week was just a bad week for podcasting. You got people hung over from Groundhog's Day celebrations. Uh, you got the Super Bowl as a distraction. You got to account for that kind of dip in traffic. But, but maybe, maybe people just are uncomfortable talking and hearing about race and they're just avoiding those topics. And if it, that describes you, then I really encourage you to give this episode a shot, because it'd be a shame if you missed it. I'm going to be having a conversation with Ron Dawson, author, filmmaker, activist. He's really funny. He's a really sharp guy. He's got a real passion for the same kind of nerdy shit that I'm into. Uh, and we're going to explore what is one of the hardest things for people to wrap their minds around, their heads around, which is the concept of privilege. Now, what this conversation shouldn't do is make you feel bad about being white, because I don't feel bad for being white. It should make you feel personally responsible for the years of racism and oppression that minorities have tended to face in this country. Uh, but if you're a huge Star Trek fan like I am, you're in for a treat, because Ron uses the classic Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Darmok, to explain the concept of privilege and how we can all be like Picard. So if you do nothing else, please, please, please uh, watch his video, Darmok and Jalad at White Privilege, which is included in the show notes. I, I put a link there. Uh, and like I said, I don't think our conversation should make anyone feel defensive or bad or guilty, but this I know this stuff is sensitive uh, and it's not talked about a lot. Uh, I know for the first time that I started hearing about this privilege stuff, I got defensive. I got a little hot under the collar. I was pretty dismissive initially. So if you find yourself feeling any of those negative type of feelings, I can easily relate to you. And I'd like to be here to help uh, because I think this is really important stuff. I consider this stuff foundational uh, for understanding kind of the three right turns worldview. I don't think you can properly understand where we're at in America right now politically unless you have an accurate understanding about where we're at racially, sexually, in terms of gender, certainly class. Uh, you need to be able to look outside your viewpoints uh, to see how other people feel about things because that's how you can build empathy. That's how you can build coalitions. And doing that is how, you know, we'll come up with a moral consensus to 
the the fix some of the things going wrong in our country. So people exploit our differences uh, and use those to divide us. But if we properly understand these issues and where they stem from, we can remain united and accomplish big things, joyful things, things born out of love and empathy rather than fear and ignorance. So like I said, I'm here to help. If you have follow-up questions or you want to call bullshit on this whole thing, uh, please talk to me. Three right turns at baldmove.com because I used to feel like you did, and I think I can help you get through some of those issues. Anyway, like I said, this is a very fun, positive, wide-ranging conversation between two nerds, one white and one black, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Joining me today for a conversation is Ron Dawson. Uh, I want to give him a little bit of an introduction. Um, Ron came flying into my inbox very soon after I started Three Right Turns. I got the introduction out. Uh, and he's like, Aaron, we, you and I have got to talk. Uh, and he provided me with, um, a video that he did on, on, um, a Star Trek twist on explaining the concept of white privilege. And immediately my eyebrows shot up like a Vulcan. I'm like, this man is really speaking my language. He's, he's really, really coming to my side of the table here. Uh, and he's also Your universal translator was translating. Yeah. And he also uh, sent me some, some other uh, information he written on his blog. And uh, I thought, I just think, wow. Yeah. We had to have a conversation. We're having this conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Ron. Hey man. Yeah. I, I believe when I first wrote you, I said, I think I'm the black version of you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which uh, that's, uh, and that's the thing. It's like, man, I, I like watching a lot of material um, from minority perspectives because that's like, you know, where you get the straight kind of dope. Right. Um, yeah. And a lot of times, um, you know, I, I, I hear some things and they're kind of painful here. And sometimes I hear things. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right on. I know that. But it's like, oof, boy, I hit my white ear bone real mm. harsh. Like there's a way you can say that that maybe I'm not, you know, because like people are angry. People got all kinds of rights to be. But I'm just saying like that's one of the things I do is like, ooh, how if I was trying to like be this person's like hurt and anger translator and I wanted a white audience to hear it. What what how would I say that differently? And I so I go into your video and I was like waiting for that white bone to get hit. And I'm like, <laughs> God damn, Ron is good. He is crushing this. He's got this. Like, if you if you like Star Trek and you think Captain Picard's a good guy, he your, your good meta guy. your metaphor is slays. Uh, do you want to talk? You want to uh, let's? I think we got people hyped up to hear this. Uh, what yeah, do you, you call it? Uh, uh, what is it? It's Dharma and Jalad at white privilege. Dharma and Jalad at white privilege. Which, if you're a, <laughs> if you're any kind of Star Trek: The Next Generation fan, you'll instantly recognize. If you're not, we're going to bring you there. But let's let's talk right. about how you're the, the the black version of me. <laughs> you're right. Um, uh, I, I, I'm slightly more here on the top of my head. <laughs> you got me beat there. That's right. Um, a tad, maybe tad thinner, maybe. You, you look sick. You you look good though, man. Oh, thank you look you. good. Thank you. Yeah, you do. You actually. Um, you do look. You, you do look. Uh, if I if I if I uh, if I play for the other team, I give you a second. Hey, look. like why we're why we're flirting with each other? You've got this like <laughs> Chad Coleman in like season three or four of The Wire look right now <laughs> with the hair and the beard and athletic right. T-shirt. Like I, I want you to give me some boxing lessons at least. Right. You know. <laughs> so what's funny is that I used to wear my hair. So I don't I, I don't think you have a video podcast for the people who can't can't see. I used to wear my hair more like. Um, Jamie Foxx short. I mm. actually talked about this in my book where I was shaved on top and totally clean shaven. Mm -hmm. Then a few years ago, I kind of went for the uh, childish Gambino look. Um, oh, yeah. with the, so that's kind of like where I am right now. By day, I'm a content marketer. So I, I help businesses and companies like market their brands using social media, using video podcasts, that kind of thing. Um, at the time I did the video and for the past almost three years, I was the managing editor for this popular filmmaking um, uh, blog called Frame.io Insider. Frame.io is like this platform for collaborating video, and I was their managing editor. And uh, so I did that for three years. So I've always been steeped in the visual arts industry as a writer, I wrote a book, as a blogger, a podcaster, whatnot. And so I felt comfortable in the medium. And that's sort of like my what my personal brand was for the longest time. And then uh, in 2016, something happened that changed the direction of me personally and to some extent professionally. Um, actually, two things. One was the election of our current president. Um, 
two was I did a podcast series called Breaking the Glass for my then podcast, Radio Film School. And it was a series that looked at gender dynamics in Hollywood, like how uh, the effects of gender and race affect uh, people who work in the movie business. Mm -hmm. And I had like six relatively successful women in the industry, most of whom were women of color, they came to our house. We had like this roundtable discussion. And then I did a series of audio interviews with various people. And that kind of like opened my eyes up to some of the ignorances I had about the things that women deal with. And I kind of addressed this in, the, in my Dharma and July at sure. White Privilege video where I was saying stupid shit, ignorant stuff about issues that women deal with out of the comfort, if you will, of my male privilege, right? Yeah. And uh, I had an empathy to hear some of these stories I was hearing. And then I started applying that to how I was feeling as a black man, mm. particularly a black man who for a long time, faith, faith is still important to me. Mm. You know, most of my life I grew up Christian. Um, most of my adult life I've been what, what one would call a devout Christian Christ follower. Mm. Um, I, I kind of like belong to non-denominational churches and whatnot. But... Uh, once I had seen sort of like how the evangelical church in America, particularly the white evangelical church, was supporting our current president, it really nook, shook my faith to the core. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, today, it, it's still mind-blowing. So I started writing about it. I started blogging about it. I wrote a, I wrote a memoir um, called Dungeons and Durags <laughs> that um, basically talks about my experience as a black man in a predominantly white world and how that's affected me um, professionally and personally. And a lot of it talks about faith. And so along with that, I was blogging. I was blogging about white privilege. And I was sh shocked, shocked to tell you that I was seeing friends of mine who I knew in person, like people who I broke bread with mm -hmm. in their homes or in my home saying shit I would never expect and so as I was trying to explain it, I would get all, naturally, as you might guess, I was getting all this blowback from people saying, you know, white privilege doesn't exist. You know, people who are big fans of uh, Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro saying like, oh, white privilege doesn't exist. It's myth, blah, blah, blah. And getting into all these arguments, I was like, this is not I still write about it, but I felt like it wasn't working. So I made the video in hopes, as I see in the video, that, you know, my smile and you know, there's a lot of things you can't get from a person when you're just reading. Sure. And I was hoping the video could address that. Yeah. And I think that's because uh, these concepts, because like it, your your story is a lot like mine, where um, I actually think I was interested in kind of racial justice. And that led mm -hmm. me into kind of like gender in, imbalances and things, because, right. you know, these these stories and these systems kind of work, you know, they're like a vertical market. Or, yeah. uh, you know, where they uh, they, they, they got a model. <laughs> mm -hmm. And once you see what that model looks like, it's very easy to start looking around like, ah, I can and it's it's useful for like people with, uh, uh, you know, disabilities. It's it's right. interesting right. to talk about, you know, um, in, in terms of like, you know, wealth and, and political power and gender and race, um, you know, in communities, now communities, even like, you know, if you want to go back to high school and, and uh, uh, look at the, the, the jocks versus the nerds, like the systems <laughs> right. all work almost the entirely the same and if what if you understand right. one it's like the, the 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 rosetta stone you need to understand others um yeah, yeah. but i you know what's what's really i think amazing about what you're doing is you really i can tell because this is something that i do and it's something mm. that almost no one uh, very few people do on the internet is they really think about the message they're sending out and the, yeah. the, with the community that they're trying to be heard on and yeah because i think I feel very strongly that you can't you almost it's it's very hard to give a message that plays across various communities unless you're doing mm -hmm. like the really soaring rhetoric of like a Barack Obama and talking about all America right. and like how we're all together. And you, if you go at a right, high right. enough level, it's really easy to do that, you know, because we all yeah, love our yeah. kids. We all like our dogs and cats. Yeah. We all got hair, you know, um, but, you know, sometimes you got to be like, hey, am I wanting to speak to the crowd that's being aggrieved and the crowd that mm. is very raw and emotional and angry about it? Or do I want right. to try to be understood by this other crowd that's skeptical 
Um, and I feel like it, that really comes across. And, and it's, it's clear to me to use a lot of different techniques. So you use humor. Uh, you know, you're a pretty funny guy. You use a lot of science fiction references to kind of come at people at angles that they're not, you know, used to uh yeah here yeah. you know you're not like clapping in their face and being like you know you need <laughs> to get on you need to get to get on this program um and i think that that um i do that a lot for communities that i don't i'm not in like mm. um uh for example like i really like to i i one of the things I really like to do is try to explain what is going on racially in America to my fellow right. white people and say, Hey, look, right. it's not scary. I'm not, you know, there I'm, I'm, I'm still living a great life. I'm not plagued by guilt. I'm not crying mm. myself to sleep on a pillow. I'm not emasculated right. or weak by it. I just want to say, I just need you to hear a couple things. Same thing yeah. when I'm advocating for, you know, uh, feminism, same thing if I'm advocating for trans rights, I like having mm. those conversations with, you know, heterosexual men, white men, um, to kind of, and I noticed that like, sometimes I'll talk about things that are very painful to me, like my experience. Mm. And I grew up in a cult yeah. and we've had a couple of podcasts right. where we talk about it. Right. And right. when a lot of times you get supportive stuff, but every once in a while you'll get someone's dismissive about it. Like, I don't understand the difference between a cult and like any other Christian church or any other Presbyterian or Catholic church. Sure. And what happens in me is my blood pressure spikes. I get super angry because it's like you're fucking being dismissive and you don't even know. Right. I think it must take a lot. It, it, it must take a lot of really st being very strong and being very empathetic to do the work you do as, as yeah. a black man. I, I just, it feels like to me. Yeah, it is. And that I mean, the, the dismissive thing, especially on social media, happens a lot. And that's one of the most frustrating things for me personally mm. is when people are dismissive and they don't yeah. even want to take the time. Like I've had every now and then I'll have somebody who who has a different point of view, um, but they have taken the time to either like read something I've posted or read a link to an article I've read or whatever, and they engage in the conversation. And even if they don't come out on the other end completely convinced of my point of view, it, it makes a huge difference just feeling like you've been heard mm. and the other person seriously listened. And because for a lot of the frustration, I think that's going on the internet, we're all just speaking past one another. Right. Like we all want to get our, our points of view in. And then we don't take the time to say, Hey, what is this guy really trying to say? Which is, and, and I, I addressed that a little bit, even the video where I talk about the guy who said that he equated the term white privilege to him, it sounded as bad as if he were to call me the N-word. Mm. And yeah. <laughs> like, like when I read that online, it took uh, it, it took a lot to not like totally go off on the guy. Yeah. Um, but I I stepped back and and as I say in the video, I you know as, as fucked up as that is, and as much education as he actually needs to learn to understand the history of the N word and how it's been used. That guy was not American too, right? I don't remember. Oh, okay. But okay. If he if he wasn't, I think he was. But that's a good point. If if he wasn't, that would explain a lot. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Um, but just taking the time to say, okay, for whatever messed up reason, that word hits him as hard as he thinks the N word hits us when a white person calls us that. And so I think. Taking that time to come halfway between the gap that people have can go a long way towards moving everybody forward. And it's hard to get there though. Sometimes Can we tell you, so I want, before we get to your, your video, I want to talk about, cause I had a journey when I heard, mm. started learning about privilege. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. And, and I think you can probably chime in about, because the first time you hear that you've got a privilege and, or someone yeah. uses that as an attack or maybe not even attack is just a lay, way of saying like, Hey, maybe you don't have the whole story here or maybe you have a different perspective because of this thing. Yeah. You, it almost universally um, triggers this very defensive pattern of thinking. You feel yeah. like you're personally attacked. Um, yep. And I think the more empathetic and the more compassionate you are, the harder that attack works. Yeah. Um, and I've, it's funny is like, if, if you have ever felt that way, you're not alone because I felt that way. And mm -hmm when when i've i've gotten into these more kind of liberal these more social justice oriented groups it is a constant source of amazement that like i'll see a group of white feminists and they're like oh yeah we got to do this and oh we're all together sisters and all and a black woman would be like hey 
um, mm, you guys need to think. And then it's like, I can't believe you're saying this about. <laughs> and then you have the the black feminists together, and they'll talk right. about and like, hey, everything's and we we are not. And then like a black a black a feminist in a wheelchair will roll up and be like, oh, <laughs> right. you're not. And then it's like, oh my god, how are you attacked? Everyone yeah. feels this way. It's yes. it's you're not you're not bad. You're you, yeah. you're not wearing a white hood. You're not yeah. burning crosses here. I don't know why bi biologically this happens, but it's such a universal yeah. experience. It's got to be something like in us that like when someone's making this attack, it's almost like they're saying, I want you to understand this thing. And you're hearing mm -hmm. I'm a hateful subhuman person. <laughs> right. 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 And totally. I think that's why I think this Darmac at Jalad is such a beautiful, beautiful way to explain the concept. So let's let's can you briefly set up the the premise of the Star Trek episode? Yeah, so the name of the episode is called Darmok, and uh, I think it's season three or five, I don't remember. But, it, you know, it is uh, one of the many roles that uh, Paul Winfield plays in his very Star Trek career. He's played so many different types of <laughs> characters in the various Star Trek universes. I didn't realize that. Until your yeah. video, I didn't realize that. And the way you... Oh, man, it's so good. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the premise of the episode is, you know, for those who aren't, Trek nerdy enough. Everyone knows that everyone quote unquote speaks English in Star Trek, but that's not really what's happening. What's happening is the universal translators are translating it so that you understand it. So you understand Vulcan, you understand Klingon and whatnot. And there are a few, there are a few movies that kind of address it. I think in uh, Star Trek six, there's a scene where they are trying to understand the Klingons, but they don't want to use the universal translator because it would give it away or something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. So there's every now and then there's a hint that, Oh, you're not really hearing English. Right. And so that comes up in this episode where they meet this new race of people called the Temerians and they're hearing English, but it sounds like gobbledygook. It doesn't make sense because the Temerians speak in a metaphor, um, metaphors that are based on their homeworld culture. So if you didn't know their culture, you wouldn't understand what Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra means. And that's that's like the core thing uh, phrase that drives this particular episode because the just to, just to further illuminate that um yeah that so that's like the way that 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 works is like you're they're saying darmak jalad that'd be like uh an earth person going to klingon saying romeo and juliet at the balcony exactly they would be like what we know that's about romance it might exactly. even be star-crossed love it might be but like it, unless you know that you you you're it's completely lost so we don't know anything about Temerian culture they're saying all right. these things translators get us back but we have no idea what they're trying to say exactly exactly and which when i was thinking about the um the episode and why i thought it, it really worked well for this white privilege analogy because the Temerians have this powerful technology where they can block uh, the transporters. And so they transport Captain Picard down and their captain down. Um, and the captain has two knives. He gives one and he's giving one to Picard. And he keeps saying Darmok and Jalad to Tanagra. And Picard is thinking and hearing that the dude wants to fight. And that to me felt like that's just like what happens when I call when I say someone has white privilege. Like white privilege becomes that knife. Like I'm giving them this knife, white privilege, and they think I am wanting to go to blows. I'm calling them racist. I'm saying, or I'm, or I'm challenging the hard work that they put into their business. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that. And I wanted to use this analogy of how Picard through the episode starts to learn what Dharmak and Jalad and Tanagra actually means. And you find out that it actually means he's referencing this story from the Temerian culture where Darmok and Jalad fought together against a common foe on the island of Tanagra. And Captain Picard, because he's a badass, he figures that out. And there's an invisible monster down there that they have to fight together. And it's how the Temerian people uh, communicate and connect with other cultures by basically putting them in sort of like a <laughs> a live or die sort of situation, <laughs> yeah. which kind of you know it's betting a lot to try yeah to get it really is that's that's a that's an opening hailing frequency and a half <laughs> right, you know <laughs> right 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 and and my hope was that you know we and, and you think about it it goes back to communication and really how weak the the human the human the english language is and so like you know the eskimos Eskimo, inuit yeah. i think it's been Inuit. Um, see, see, have, we all learn to grow. <laughs> we, all, we all learn to grow. Uh -huh. uh, um, the, the Inuit culture has like 
30 some odd words for ice or snow or something like that. Sure. And when you hear about it, it's like, why do you need 30 words for snow? It's snow. But the thing is, there's hard snow, there's soft snow, there's powdery snow. And so they have all these different words for snow, depending on the kind of snow that you're looking at. Yes. And that has huge difference when you're communicating with someone. And the thing is, when you have to use the term privilege, and there's no other word that you can use that really best describes what you're trying to do or what you're trying to convey. However, a person comes to the word privilege is how they interpret it. And for most people who speak English, privilege means, you know, you're wealthy, you're rich. It means all these different things that have more socioeconomic meaning as opposed to just the literal meaning, which is an advantage you have due to something that's outside of your control. Right. Um, And I think that is where, the issue comes in in this in this discussion of, 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 of white privilege because we don't have a better word to use that doesn't elicit those feelings. Yeah, and I've like I sometimes try to one of the icebreakers I've made with people that talk about privilege is like, you know, we are we, everyone in America is taught privilege at the dinner table because your mom yeah. says finish your food because there are starving kids. Sometimes it's in Asia. Sometimes it's in Africa. Sometimes it's in the, <laughs> right. you know, the poor communities of America, but they always say you finish that plate because they're starving kids, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. She is asking you to check your caloric privilege. privilege. And exactly. now that can impact some people in different ways. Some people that's going to turn, that's what that, that little seed's going to grow and maybe they're going to do some mission work or they're going to join the Peace Corps and they're actually going to try to make people's lives better. Some people are just going to take from that and go forward with like a little attitude of, uh, or a little, try to cultivate a, an attitude of gratitude. And some right. people are going to be like, screw you, mom. I don't, you know, and it's, you can't, but, but it's still, it's like, that's, everyone's familiar with that type of message. And, you right. know, no one thinks like, oh my God, that's what a, you know, you're trying to bring what, what you're trying to make me feel bad, mom. Like what, right. what is the thing? That's all when we're talking about privilege, we just want at the very first, at the just to understand the concepts and try to see how it applies in your life, both right. good and 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 bad. Um, that's yeah. the step. You don't like you know wh- what you do with that information is going to be up to you. But it's uh, understanding this concept is just so important to understanding how we relate as people with each other. Okay, so um, let's specifically talk about. And again, I hope I've done enough uh, with my audience to th- to to convince them that if they you are going to probably feel complicated feelings in this conversation and that's okay um that i do not feel like i'm a bad person i don't feel like right. i'm guilty i don't feel like um i'm responsible like i as i laid out a couple episodes ago my fame my family came to this country post civil war none of my people directly profited from the enslavement of african americans etc cetera, etc cetera. but i still think this is very persuasive because it's true and because yeah. it helps us understand and relate to each other. So let's talk about the concept of privilege. You know, I just talked about how it's taught to us at the dinner table. Um, right. But it is. It's, it's a Privilege is just a default advantage that you might enjoy in your society. Exactly. Uh, and it's very society-driven. Dr- like, my white privilege would look very different if I was in Japan or China or yep. Mozambique. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, it might invert and flip around to a disadvantage in some of those places. Um, So it's not a universal. It doesn't mean that like I've got this this W stamped on my forehead and I'm (laughs) good to go no matter where I go. And it also doesn't guarantee that you are going to be more successful in life. And I think that's the thing that really. Right. You know, a poor white person that his family struggled with alcohol uh, they're housing insecure. They know what it's like to feel hungry. Um, they know what it's like to have be in crushing poverty and feel like there's no yep. escape. When they hear, right. uh, especially if like if it's a wealthy, famous celebrity black person talking about white privilege, absolutely, it's got that's got to be very painful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why um, it, it doesn't mean like it, that it, it's going to be a guarantee for success. Um, right. Right, right. But but here's the th- here's here's like here's uh, here's my opening gamut on this. If I take a poor white person and their predicament, and I put them in a nice suit, mm-hmm. and I get them a clean haircut, and I fix up their teeth, 
and I put them in a CEO position at a company, or I have them drive down the street in a Mercedes Benz, or mm -hmm. I have them, you know, walking down the sidewalk in an, ev in an evening in a wealthy right. white neighborhood, no one is going to call the cops. No one is right. going to be alarmed. No one's going to say this person, this person doesn't belong here. Right. But a lot of, you know, black people in similar circumstances, they can wear the nice suit. They can have the clean cut look. They can speak the king's English. They can have the success <laughs> and the education. And yet that is always going to be questioned when they are in environments where they're not expected. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. that's a kind of a baseline understanding of white privilege and how you might have it worse. But that's the difference. That's the that's the default setting that we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I talk about this in uh, in my book. I tell the story of how um, where so I I grew up the son of a doctor like my biological dad was a doctor and then my stepdad was an anesthesiologist. In fact, he was chief of anesthesiology at one of the top hospitals in L.A. Uh, economically speaking, I grew up with economic privilege, but I distinctly remember one time we were in some fancy swanky hotel um, and my my mom and stepdad, they were shopping in this, you know, you know, those really overpriced clothing stores in the hotel lobbies and whatnot. And I heard the, uh, the, the, the main manager, or whatever, say to the other person, like, follow them. Like, and so here's this guy and I don't know how he was dressed. It was, you know, it was vacation. He was probably wearing a t-shirt and shorts or something like he wasn't dressed like a you know, a prim and proper doctor. He's dressed like a dude on vacation. Yeah. Um, but uh, the person would never know that he's chief of vanity, probably makes 20 times more, a hundred times more what this person makes. He could probably buy everything in that store if he wanted to. Mm. Uh, but still there was a sense of, Oh, these are black people who probably don't belong in here. Let's follow them. Mm. And now let, let me be frank. Most of my, Life growing up, I did not deal with a lot of the overt kind of racism that mm -hmm. a lot of black people have. Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, I have a lot of what, what black people call microaggressions. So I've had, I've had my fair number of friends ask me to look at my hands because I'm a dark skinned brother and, mm -hmm. you know, the palm of my hands are lighter. And I had some friends who were like, they're, they're fascinated it's by novelty, that. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of akin to a lot of black people talk about. You know, their white friends wanting to touch their hair and uh -huh. like that shit really happens for some people. And so uh -huh. there's those kind of things where you feel like you are uh, like a, a, a piece of art or like you're on display for someone to admire you. It's like, you know, I'm I'm a human being. Like, and I want to I want to <laughs> see if I can inject some relatability for because um, I've seen it said that like if you're a white person, especially if you're like a six foot two white person like mm -hmm. me, the big beard and you go to like a big city in China people will go up and just run up and take pictures with you like you're a prop. Like, it's like you're like Godzilla and they don't ask for permission. Like, and there's lots of dudes that have posted these on Reddit where there's these like throngs of Chinese people with cameras out and they're like doing poses and like, right. and, and, and here's the thing. If you go to China for a week, you might find that charming and really cool. Right. But if you're trying to live in China and do business, you get quick, you get tired of that shit real quick. Yes. And yeah. that's the thing. It's like, it's probably not like, you know, like that you people are like, oh, what is it? Big deal. So people want to look at Ron's hands and it's a novel experience <laughs> and they, it's, it's fascinating. You don't get. But it's like if you're stuck in China and you're a <laughs> right. six foot two dude, yeah. it gets in. It starts like you're not, you're not in the mood all the time to be right. gawked at and prodded and pro and it makes you feel like an object yeah. instead of a person. But but we live in a nation full of like, you know, white people, especially if you're from an area that's mostly white. I grew up in a town 99.9% white. And yeah. you don't realize that, that what a privilege it is just to go through society and no one look at you twice. Yeah. And here's the other thing. And this is one of the things that frustrates me whenever I hear or watch like a Jordan Peterson video when he mm -hmm. tries to explain it. Who, who by the way, mm -hmm. is a white Canadian philosophy psychology professor from Canada mm -hmm. telling American black people that there's no such thing as white. It's like, it's like no. so... There's such a cognitive dissonance. Let me show it on. Let me let me <laughs> prove it on the chalkboard. Do you see? It doesn't, right, right, it doesn't right. exist. Uh, right. Um, but, you know, like here's so here's another aspect of privilege that is more psychological in nature. Mm. Um, 
regardless of whether you're a rich person or a white person, when you grew up, when you watched your favorite television shows, your favorite cartoons, I grew up, I loved watching like the Warner Brothers cartoons, the Bugs Bunnies and the yeah, whatnot. Uh, sure. I loved the Little Rascals growing up. Um, the the old original Little Rascals. Same, not the, yeah. Right? Spanky and Alfalfa. Spanky, and... Darla, Alfalfa. I used to have a crush on Darla. I wrote about that in my book too. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so yeah, I, I was devastated to realize that those movies and TV shows were like back from the, like she was probably an old hag by the time I was watching her. <laughs> um, but when you're, when you're a six or seven year old kid, you don't realize that. Sure. But here's the thing. I grew up seeing images of people who look like me as jungle bunnies, mm-hmm. as buckwheat, of all these negative stereotypes and you, and, and, and never seeing a black president, never seeing black CEOs and companies, never seeing a rarely like boomer from an original, from the original, um, Bowser Galactica was a novelty to see a, you know, like this cool ass black man who's wielding a, you know, a, a laser ra- rifle and being good at it. Like you don't, you didn't see a lot of that growing up. And that plays on a person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I recently saw this piece of this artwork um, uh, exhibit I read about online where the artist took traditional images of little girls or people looking at something where you would normally see a white face and they replace it with black face. So one of the photos was this little white girl and there was a sea of black Barbies on the wall. So imagine growing up every time you're a little girl and you go to the toy store Every little doll, no dolls look like you. Yeah. What effect does that have on a person when you grow up your entire life seeing black people as jungle bunnies, as jigaboos, as pimps, as uh, gangsters, as buckwheat? And if you don't think that has a psychological effect on someone, it's probably your white privilege. <laughs> sure. And so because we um, literally can't relate, we've never we can't, can't go to down an, an aisle, and you can't right. you can't replicate that experience in real life in America. Right. Exactly. And and so it's like asking people to understand that if you grew up your entire life, how was that? How would how would that affect you in terms of how you look at yourself, in terms of how you look at your ability or your your belief in yourself to be something better than what you see, like poured into your mind 24 seven. And that in and of itself is also a privilege that I try to help people understand. One thing I always try to think about and talk about in a podcast is that, like, you know, black people aren't a monolith. You know, they're not they don't have universal thoughts and opinions on things. Um, right. And one of the things that um, you a lot a lot of people that, that like to talk about, like black privilege being a myth or whatever, they like to hold up certain figures in the black community that subscribe to those opinions themselves. Yeah, I want to make sure I understand what you're talking about, because you said black privilege is a myth. Did you mean white privilege is a myth? I'm sorry. White privilege. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 And, we, and when when black celebrities kind of talk about white privilege being a myth and how that affects the people who are, are hearing yeah, the message. Yeah, so like I hear there's some like black conservatives that say that like right. these types of messages hold black people back because it puts in still like you hear this from white people a lot too. But some right. black people say no, they're actually right on that like these these myths of uh, the of, of stories we tell ourselves about oppression and about mm-hmm. privilege are excuses for us to not perform and not you know get out there and contribute to society. I get really frustrated when I hear people say uh, stuff like that. They, where they insinuate that we black folk are sitting on our lazy asses, not doing anything to either better our communities or to uh, uh, to get out there, and that we are using this as an excuse. Uh, black people, as in general, are not using anything as an excuse not to not to try to get ahead. We're not using white privilege, we're not using uh, affirmative action or any of these other kind of things in order to get ahead. And the truth of the matter is a lot of people in this country don't realize that there was, for lack of a better word, a white version of affirmative action in terms of benefits that were afforded people who were predominantly who were white that were based on economic structures. So you have redlining, which was this which was the, these laws put into place that really affected uh, different parts of communities where you could get a loan or whatnot. It was called the red line. And if you're outside of that red line, which you were if you were black, you didn't get the kind of loans that over decades affected you know, white generations 
positively and black generations negatively. Mm-hmm. That was almost that was kind of like a, fir- a form of affirmative action. You had the GI Bill. The GI Bill was for all GIs who went to war to come back and get economic assistance. Black GIs were not afforded that. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to. It was kind of like their 40 acres and a mule. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so that, again, of affected everything so there are forms of and i, I want to make sure because yeah. a lot of people i think this is man this is so clutch because i think and a lot of a lot of uh people that have a have an incomplete education think that right. you had the civil war right and then you had the civil rights struggle and right. then everything's cool <laughs> and right. in reality what i've come to appreciate is this has been a generational struggle that oh, yeah. you have the civil war and then the the North gets bored with Reconstruction and takes its eye mm-hmm. off the ball, kind of gets a little racist itself uh, mm-hmm. around the turn of the century. Uh, and then you have concepts like redlining and blockbusting that serve yeah. to, you know, uh, t- to keep black people from accumulating wealth uh, along yeah. the same type, uh, same rate and clip as their white um, compatriots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got things like Jim Crow. Um, mm-hmm. That is a, a, a way to deny black people their political power uh and then you've got the you know you've got civil rights um and then i because that's the thing like since the late 60s early 70s -hmm. the law we are all equal in eyes of the law Mm -hmm. but there's also been you know uh the way that uh minorities are policed in terms of like you know um uh, drugs and other infractions. We see the prison rates swelling uh, with the mm-hmm. war on drugs, and uh, minorities are predominantly in that you know swelling. Even though yeah. when you look at like s- blacks and whites self-report the same incident of usage of like drugs, and yet mm-hmm. you know black people are arrested at a far higher rate, convicted at a far higher rate, and serve longer sentences. Yeah, these are the things that are like what you'd call extra legal. Um, yeah. And these are things that happen in these like 15, 20, 30 year intervals that like is, is like a wave. It's like a tsunami that keeps knocking people down. And, yeah, you know, right. it's like I was doing some research in the Watchmen podcast and you look mm-hmm. at like black land ownership. Yeah. And like at the turn of the 20th century, like millions of acres are owned by black men and women farming. And now you look at it like 2020, it's like fractions of that. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Um, and I think that like there, you can buy into the, the, the history that Ron and I have just outlined, which by the way Mm -hmm. is out in books and people that have looked in it seriously pretty much come to a consensus or you have to explain why black people just can't get it together. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and that, if you, if you pick that ladder course, you're, you're going down a road that I just can't follow you on because again, there's. There's this history. There's these explanations. There are things that make sense. And I, I want to add one other thing because, uh, again, I'm trying to relate this to a white audience. I grew up poor yeah. and white. Mm. And there was a lot of poor white fe- people that just gave up. You know, they don't take care of their houses. They don't take care of the clothes. They don't care, take care of their kids. They don't care of their yards. Uh, and and we didn't we don't like those people. And I remember mm. my mom would always say stuff like, don't do X. People going to think we're wh- poor white trash. Yeah, because uh, yeah. we were poor. We didn't have a lot of money, but my parents were yeah. very insistent on us not being white trash. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I feel I like there's, there's that's another thing that's missing is that when you're talking about like, you know, there's, that's probably a lot of the same effects that happen in poor black communities where you have mm-hmm. some folk that have given up. Right. They, sure. they, they and, and they aren't building up their communities, but you got the majority of people that are, you know, wanting to better for themselves wanting better for their children and i think the problem is when i grew up poor and white i don't i don't know what 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 what, i can't explain like what a middle class or like a rich person thinks about this um but when i grew up in my communities i got used to seeing like what the poor white trash looked like and it kind of Mm. like you know it started it just is kind of like background color but if i drove through a black neighborhood the poor black trash if I could right. say that stuff yeah. really jumps out because it's different, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's like I've 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 been amazed at seeing people from my economic background and my circumstances talk about driving through certain neighborhoods and be like, oh my god, oh my god. And I'm like, 
are you kidding me? There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with this neighborhood. Have you driven through Ashbury Court Trailer Park in our neighborhood? <laughs> like, were you freaking out about some of the stuff? Because I know there's meth being cooked in this here trailer, <laughs> but it's not, you know, but yeah. you see a guy standing out in a corner at night and that's something that jumps out at you. Do you yeah. think that's part of it is that we just don't see we our dysfunction and when i say our dysfunction i'm talking about white people our dysfunction mm-hmm. we get used to seeing and we don't even see it but we see black dysfunction we see like dysfunction in other communities um, yeah is there anything to that i think so i mean i think it's a combination of that and like i was addressing earlier is the media like uh mm. and when i say the media i mean movies television and whatnot and, and it's not that you know poor white trans has never been uh, you know, portrayed on television, obviously now and then you have, um, but there, it, it's not like uh, a majority of the kind of TV shows you see. Right. And there's plenty of uh, uh, successful white people in, te- in television shows to kind of offset it. Yeah. 95% you know, of the comedy television shows is Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> right. That would be one thing. But, but you right. have Beverly Hillbillies and then you've got the Dick Van Dyke show and you've got, you know, exactly. you've, you've got a lot more of that than right and and if you if you look at all the popular uh black television shows in 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 the 70s you know a lot of them are in poor communities Mm -hmm. you know you had sanford and son um you know the one show you had the jeffersons Mm -hmm. you know moving on up moving on up yep but yeah but outside of that a lot of them uh they were in the poor communities you know good times of jj and whatnot and so uh and then if you go to the other television shows portraying black communities you know rarely do you see movies about or television shows about like the Baldwin park area in los angeles which is like the black beverly hills right mm-hmm. and so you have in your mind mindset that black poor communities have this dangerous aspect to them and uh that is your concept of them that's why you kind of freak out when you go through them and that's the kind of thing that we black and white people and people of all color, you know, I don't want to leave out, you know, my brown brothers and sisters as well. And, you know, Asians, you know, whatever uh, demographic you belong to that's not white, there is some aspect of that demographic that predominantly displayed in media culture is negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a matter of just explaining to people who, who are white to say, Hey, you really do have a privilege of not having to do that. And instead of looking at your privilege as this negative thing, really look at it as something that's positive. Like you, it's like your, it's like your force, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's something that you can wield. You can wield it for good or you can wield it for bad. And if you accept it, like if I can embrace my male privilege and understand that there are things that I'm going to be afforded me because I'm a man, whether it's something specific or whether it's something kind of more esoteric, like just not having the fear of walking down the street and have, hearing footsteps behind me. If I have that empathy, then when I'm talking to another woman, whether she's white or black and she's telling me her story, I can realize that, hey, I can come alongside her and kind of help her in her journey and not be so turned off by this term, you know, like male privilege. And I kind of wish white people would just embrace it and say, yeah, I have white privilege and it's, it's my Excalibur and I'm going to use it to kick ass yeah. and, and embrace it. Like it's not, it's, it's not a bad thing. You're not a bad person. No, having- it feels so good. I don't know if you've heard my Black, pa- or, uh, Black Klansman review. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Okay, so like at the end of that, like I say that because in that movie, uh, in, in, towards the end of it, um, it shows like the white and the black cops working together to take down the racist cops. Right. And right. I'm like, it's a lot of fun. Like, like you know that yeah. that that uh, 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, our meme. I I, <laughs> right, I, I right. fucking love that. Like, it's super fun to come together and and. And yeah, to, and and shut down racism, and yeah, yeah. It's, it it makes people happy. Uh, yeah. It makes people feel understood. It makes people feel Sorry. valued, and it's it's uh it's it's a beautiful thing. And you know what? I said that's another thing I appreciate about your video is um I could see in some parts that you got a little emotional. Mm, There's a couple yeah. parts like when you're talking like. Uh, you know this this episode about this is Paul Winfield. You know he's a if you didn't catch the reference, he's actually a black actor. You can't tell because right. he's got all this alien right, makeup right. on. Right. Um, but you talk about this racism, you know, being this monster 
that that mm. you know like you're saying here's the knife you know Darmac agility I, I, we want to take this out together because right. that monster kills people every day yeah. and it's starting to kill white people something i talked yeah. about in that uh, unbearable whiteness of being like our resistance to this these concepts and us our hostility to seeing minorities get ahead because we feel like we're falling behind is causing us to do things like vote against medical care that would help yeah. our poor white communities have been ravaged by drugs and, yeah, and things absolutely. like that um and you said like there's this point where it's just like you know i don't want to be you know paul winfield dies and right. the thing is like you know I, I i want you to be picard i don't want to have to be paul winfield you know but right. i want you to be picard i want you to like not freak out about what i'm saying and yeah. and like what picard did is put forth the effort to really understand because yeah like if we can all be arnold schwarzenegger and carl weathers you know mm -hmm. slapping arms together it the world right. would be a beautiful place yeah let's well, yeah. not problems but right 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 uh um yeah the only problem with that meme is that Carl Weathers was kind of a dick in yeah, that movie. So you can't, <laughs> yeah, you, you, stop, stop, stop at the hand thing. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, you <laughs> right, stop the movie. There's a short film about these guys getting together, and right, you, you right, start right. there. You're right, because he was a little bit of a shit, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> Talking about Predator, if you don't, if you haven't figured that out by now. Yeah, um, I have a feeling your audience probably got it. Good yeah, friends. yeah. Well, uh, I uh, yeah. we have a lot of stuff that we can talk about. Um, we are running out of time. Uh, yeah, I would love to have you back on. Um, I'd like to come back on. In the meantime, people got to see. I was disheartened. You put this video up sometime last year, and hardly anybody's seen it. And you got more dislikes than likes, and it's a goddamn <laughs> shame, Ron. I want to try to change that. Sure. Uh, I, uh, what's the video called? It's, uh, the video is called uh, Darmok and Jalad at White Privilege. And I'm going to link that in the show notes. I want everybody to take the time. What is it, like 20 minutes long? Yeah, it's about 20 minutes, but it's an enjoyable 20 minutes. Yeah, you got start. You're talking about Star Trek. You're talking about you know your experiences, understanding privilege by the concept of having you come to grips with your male privilege. Um, right, right. Because that's the thing, man, I was really wanting to talk about is, um, and maybe I can talk about this and in, 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 uh, is and you could probably identify like you know that that defensive thing like why is that defensive um mm -hmm. i think especially the more privileges you have like if you're if you're a wealthy if you're a wealthy or middle class white straight male mm -hmm. man you feel like the world is your responsibility and it's your mm -hmm. fault and yeah. it's, <laughs> and and it's it's too much it's too much yeah. like it, that like thinking that is is where you get that guilt and that pain and that anger sure. And the solution is take it off your shoulders, man. Because <laughs> because yeah. it's the, the that's the thing is like the world shouldn't be our responsibility. We shouldn't be making all these shots. We should make you're calling all these shots. We should have other people at the table. Yeah. Um, because then you know because uh, that's the other thing. Um, I think something some, something as a white person you hear when you talk about privilege is like there's something uniquely bad about like white people are evil. And there right. is some people that on, you know, in, in woke circles that kind of make jokes. Some of them are serious mm -hmm. about white people being evil. Sure. Um, but I believe that, like, if it's through some trick of fate, like if Africa had been a few steps on the civilization tech tree ahead of right. Europe uh, and we were ran by uh, this was a black planet. Right. I don't think things would be like it wouldn't be utopia. Like no, it would no, be no. it'd be different and be fucked up in different ways. But like right. black people are inherently good. White people are inherently evil. We're all human. Yeah. Right. We're all we, human. All have, we all have the potential to be either. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah. And so I think, you know, one of the things that uh, I really like about that first episode of yours, which is why like I had you know, to email you was because I like the fact that you like were an ally for these more progressive um, trains of thought. But at the same time, like you could still look at some of the progressive issues and like call out some of the problems you saw on that end. It, it wasn't like you were like yeah. a Kool-Aid drinker. No. Um, who was like, you know, yeah, some people try to deny the problems on their side. And I'm like, no, no, we're human. We got we got our right. we got our corn balls and nut balls and screw jobs Absolutely. like everybody on any side. Um, yeah. yeah. And I can say that I don't I can say that that what they're doing is harmful and I don't like their rhetoric and all that kind of stuff. I don't have to like deny it exists. Um, yeah. And the thing is, when you have someone like yourself who is um, a white man who you know who you trust has listened to you and gets it when you do point out the 
negative aspects of one, of this other side of the progressive side. It's like we can hear it because we know that you are truly coming at us as an ally, yeah. as a, a, versus someone who's just another person who's trying to like keep us down. And I think that's a huge thing too. Is when when we do listen and empathize with one another, we can hear critiques in a more opening and inviting way right and like you know that's uh, maybe as a closing thought um i want to talk about like there's different types of racism you talk about like you haven't experienced a lot of overt racism like you right. know wearing white hoods throwing around <laughs> inward burning crosses that's right. like everyone i think in the 21st century mostly yeah knock on wood as on the same page of that then you got systemic yeah, racism where that's that yeah. redlining stuff, that's the yeah. you know uh, imbalances in the criminal justice system, that's generational wealth being denied versus generational wealth being, um, and then you've mm -hmm. got the kind of like just a goofy weird racism, like wanting to see Ron's hands. <laughs> and if you're if, if you're guilty of one of those more benign or racisms out of like misunderstanding or lack of understanding, like. Don't mm -hmm. don't don't feel bad and like that you're being put into that first group because that first group's right. like beyond the fucking pale. Right. Anyone right. can make the other mistakes. Everyone can be ignorant to history. Anyone can sure. be, you know, uh, see their first black person in real life, you know, uh, right. or see their first white guy over six foot tall. You know, like everyone has that experience, <laughs> yeah. and you you kind of. So I, I just like you know I it just just so much emotion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand where the emotions coming from for like, you know, why black people are angry and upset. And I also yeah. understand like why white people are. But like, man, we should, it's just got to be a way to diffuse that because it's just yeah. like once you break through, it's like, honestly, it's like the sound barrier. You know, you're Chuck Yeager <laughs> in the cockpit and like you get closer right. and closer and, it's running, and you're thinking, oh, my God, it's all my fault. And everybody hates being you. Once you get through that barrier, you understand it. It smooths out. It's funny. Everything's I just calmer. saw a video. I just saw a video from a, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine named Brett Culp. He's this filmmaker and he's motivation. He's kind of becoming like this motivational speaker. And he used that example, the Soundberry example. About, yeah. He was talking about life in general and how there are certain things that you're, you're striving for and it's it, you feel like the cockpit is about to explode. And then you hit, you know, in a second you hit, you break the barrier and everything smooths out. So yeah. um, I kind of feel like that's what my life is like right now in terms of <laughs> – <laughs> going through a uh, transitional phase so well i'm going to link uh to your video uh which i recommend everybody watching and give him a thumbs up if you thought he he uh yeah. had some good points there because i think it's it's a novel novel way to approach white privilege and it might be a good way especially if you're a nerd to like broach the subject amongst uh your friends uh where else would you like to tell people to find you or yeah i would say uh dungeons and do rags you can link to it um like dungeons dash the letter n dash durags.com that's d-u-r-a-g-s yes right yes okay. okay um yeah they can read about uh a lot, a lot of my writing i do on there all right i would love to have you back sometime ron it's been a yeah, great conversation uh i i just man i think uh i'm amazed at uh the stuff you're doing and Thanks, i'm just man. amazed at how empathetic and kind you are and reaching across and trying to you know relate to people that make it hard sometimes yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. All right, well, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks once again to Ron Dawson for his willingness to come on and talk about these issues. I know they're difficult, uh, but they're very important. And each time we have conversations like these, every time we can open people's eyes to their Picard potential, we become stronger, more united, less divided. I'm already planning on doing some future collaborations here with Ron, and in the meantime, please again check out his YouTube video, Darmok and Jalad at White Privilege. I consider it a personal favor if you checked it out and gave him some likes from the Three Right Turns crowd, and share it if you think it would help someone you know understand the world just a little bit better. Also, Ron has started publishing his book, Dungeons and Do-Rags, in serial form on the Medium publishing platform. I'm working my way through it right now, and I really like what I see from it. When he says he's a black version of me, I think he's really onto something because we share that conservative religious background, the love of nerdy references, sci-fi fantasy, we're of similar age, and we both had a series of epiphanies that have uh, lended us kind of um, a unique way of looking at things. So that might be some more reading for, for those of you that made it through the podcast, his video, and are hungry to learn more about the topic. I will put that link to Dungeons & Rags in the show notes as well. That's it for Three Right Turns this week. Thank you for listening, and thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. If you see value in what we're doing here on Three Right Turns and on the Swizzbold Network in general, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash swizzbold. 
In return for your support, you'll get special features like Reddit Flair for our Swizzbold subreddit, access to our monthly live streams, which, by the way, the next one's coming up real fast, April 9th at 7 p.m., Become a patron before April 1st, and you can join in on the conversation. Also, I had another video that you might be interested in. A few weeks ago, I did an analysis of a debate between a socialist and a moderate progressive, which I thought was really interesting, and uh, made about four three-right-turn outlines worth of notes in the progress. Uh, It was a really good conversation about the media, effective political strategies, co-ops, more. That's also archived over on our Patreon site for all patrons, so you can check that out. Um, everybody else, I'm working on a little, little bit of a uh, highlight cut of that so that I can share it on YouTube. Special thanks goes out to our Fred-level patrons, Arvin Rao, Kira Grusho, Angelo Morano, and Mark Hahn. We couldn't do any of this without you neighborly folks helping us out and supporting Thank you. Thank you very much. Next Monday, Cecily and I will be back to share some more weird tricks for health and happiness. Until then, I'm Aaron, encouraging you all to unleash your inner Picards in the months and years to come. Because we've got a lot of important issues to tackle, and we need that kind of determined, inspiring leadership. I'll see you back here in a fortnight. Have a great week. 